Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. This is episode 78. We are going to have Sarah Ramsey in the podcast today. She is a toxic relationship specialist, a best-selling offer, and a life coach. Sarah Ramsey is a toxic relationship specialist and the world's leading expert on how to become a toxic person proof. She is a best-selling author, author, the book Becoming Toxic Person Proof and host of globally acclaimed podcasts. She works with women who have experienced toxic relationships and who remain stuck in a cycle of pain and confusion. Transform their minds and their lives by taking back their power. Recreating a life, they are excited about living and bringing in renewed energy, clarity, and excellence into establishing careers and relationships they love. Her work has been featured in the Emotional Abuse Recovery and Resilience Summit, Healing Narcissistic Trauma Conference, Thrive Global, The Elephant Journal, and Courageous Women Summit. Sarah, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me, John. Absolute pleasure. I was trying to bring you in. I'm clicking. It's like, oh, it's not coming in. <laughs> it's like... so, well, you need to click to bring me in and then say toxic person proof 20 times fast and see. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, exactly. So this is awesome. All right. So that was a br brief introduction about you, mm -hmm. but I will start the podcast with an actual biography of like where you started before this, you know, even how, what led you to this, maybe some, a bit of you growing up that, you know, yeah. brings you to where you are today. Absolutely. So I grew up with something I call smart girl syndrome. Okay. So if that, and it could be a smart guy syndrome too, but it's kind of like that idea that you've never met a problem you couldn't solve. And I was a classical pianist. And so my whole life, it, I learned, well, if I practiced, things got better. If I put the work in, things improved. Um, and that is a really fabulous quality for building a business, uh, building your muscles, building, writing a book, building a house, whatever it is. In most things in life, that, that works really well. But in people-pleasing, it works terribly, right? Because you're always working harder to make a relationship work or to make someone happy um, or to make them not get mad at you. And that's, <laughs> I hate to say that was a legacy of my childhood, but in many ways, looking back, it was. So there was a you know success through learning how to play Beethoven, you know, through piano, but using those strength, those same strategies for problem solving my relationships got me in a lot of trouble. It got me in a lot of trouble. Yeah, didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been through that where we uh, get into a relationship and think it's great. Mm -hmm. And literally by date number three, you're going, why am I here? Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes you just keep punishing yourself anyways. <laughs> but, but that's it. It's like, oh, well, I just need to, you know, do this and then the relationship will be different. Um, and it just really isn't working for people. Obviously, that's that's why I do what I do, and um, and it, it's it's a real shared experience of humanity to kind of see how many people have gone through something like this, and I I love that because there's kind of this idea, oh, you've been in a toxic relationship, you're dumb or stupid, or why'd you put up with that, or you know that type of thing, and I bring us back to Bill Cosby, and I, I'm sure you're familiar with Bill yes. Cosby. Everybody loved him. Everybody thought he 
everybody thought he was funny until we realized he was like raping people. Like, it's a problem. You, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to drug women <laughs> and rape them, you know? And uh, so it, it really kind of brings the conversation back to like, wow, we really need to be aware that certain personalities exist and that it, how easy, how good they are at their game. Yes. They're so good at fooling us. Um, and so we just have to watch out for different things than what we want to. Because it's very nice to believe everybody's nice. Everybody's doing the right thing. Everybody's. Um, and I wish I wish we lived in that world. I, I, I long for that world. Um, but the reality is there's there's people, there's wonderful people out there. And there are people we have to watch out for. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing, right? Like even sometimes with relationships, like we're, like I was saying, sometimes it's one of those things that uh, we meet people and they seem really nice and everything seems great in the beginning. And we come up with this fantasy in our head of what we think it is. Yes. And it's like, yeah, I keep giving them a chance to be that person who they're really not. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very well explained. Yeah. It's just kind of like a, a hopeaholic. Have you ever heard of that? Like a hopeaholic, like, Oh, well, I just, I just want to hope in the best. And it's like, but I want to hope in the best. And there's a great Maya Angelou quote that says, when people tell you who they are, believe them. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I've learned that lesson directly. Yeah, I'm sure. I um, like without, you know, getting into details, I, like I was in a relationship where the person, you know, claimed who she was. And I always had reasons to believe it wasn't. Turns out she was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. right like and you know it was uh, you become infatuated and you find excuses for everything yes yes, so. yes. yeah there's a uh, bf skinner did a, a little thing with rats and he pushed this lever or the rats would push the lever and sometimes they would get a cookie and sometimes they wouldn't get a cookie and when there was that confusion like i'm not really sure what's going to happen the rats worked really hard to to get that cookie. And that's what our like slot machines are based on. And, you know, behavioral theory, there's like all kinds of like science based on that. But in relationships, that's exactly what happens. It's like, Oh, are they this? Are they not? Are they going to be in this mood? Are they going to be in that mood? Are they going to be, you know, it's actually, we end up working harder in those types of relationships and we're more drawn to those situations than a healthy, happy, honest person sometimes. For sure. Now, let me ask you something, though. Like, was this like, did you just get into this, uh, like, after bat, like, first career, or did you work up to this? Oh, yeah. So, crazy story. So, I was actually a media specialist for a school, and the school had a really terrible tragedy happen um, where a cheerleader was killed in her bed by her boyfriend he was literally sh shot her through the window and she uh her parents found her dead um in the bed and so that was obviously a huge they've actually done a dateline about it and all these other things it was it was national I I saw that episode yeah yeah so i started a mental health campaign for teens after that episode trying to help teach them uh, about healthy relationship dynamics, how to not end up in a toxic situation, what red flags are. Um, and, and that's where it grew from that. So I, I do a lot of work for Emma Walker and, and that situation and uh, just such a heart for that family and what happened within our community. And, you know, she's not the only one. And, um, 
her story is obviously what I kind of describe it as cancer, right? So when you talk about domestic violence awareness or something like what happened with Emma, that's really stage four cancer. It's just so terrible, you know, it's just stage four cancer. But if in the conversation around cancer, we were only talking about stage four cancer, we'd be in real trouble, right? We talk about precancerous cells. We talk about early warning signs. We talk about cancer prevention. We talk about stage one and stage two. So um, even though so much of my work is inspired by stage four situations, I really want to bring people's attention to how like ineffective that would be if we were only defining this or having these conversations around stage four situations. We, we need those early warning signs and to be aware of those. That's the other thing I want to get into. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be better to be uh, preventative in some way or form? Like, isn't there like a, like a prevention education or something like that where, where you can work with people so they can see the signs before they get into that. So it doesn't hit stage four. Absolutely. And there's two pieces to this. So sometimes people say there are some like awareness things like I want to simplify things like, you know, a healthy relationship. People take turns. They play by the same set of rules. They you know, it's a partnership. You know, you don't feel like that's weird. That's off. That feels like something's wrong. They made me feel small. They they make me feel bad about myself. They make me, you know, there are some of those pieces that I want to have the conversation about. And then there's also, um, I, I kind of joke and I said, okay, let's say someone is always really jealous. They don't want you to hang out with any of your friends. They um, tell you you're stupid or that you'll never live without them, you know, or they're, you know, they're really controlling. Do you think those are red flags? And people are like, yeah, of course. And I said, well, yeah, if I, if I, had a group of 13 year old girls and said, are these red flags? Those girls would say, yeah, okay. They're not educated in this. You know, they, they just know like that's, that's a bad thing. But when romance gets involved, when hope gets involved, when uh, you know, we're not robots, we're humans and we have these emotions like, wow, she's really pretty or, well, he's not mean all the time or, you know, some of these things, then that's a, kind of a different problem to solve right it's kind of knowing to watch out for and then like how do we act in our own personal integrity to act when we see warning signs now let me ask you something here like Mm -hmm. a lot of times sometimes people let's face it sometimes people are infatuated Mm -hmm. right and they're blinded by it and you could just see it's so wrong you can see it from the outside as a third perspective Mm-hmm. How do you get through to someone when, when they refuse to believe it? And that is the the one magic question I, I want to be able to answer. I can give you some work surrounding this, but I have asked thousands of people, thousands of people, you know, what would have gotten through to you or what finally did get through to you? And it was never someone else saying, I think you're dating a jerk. <laughs> it just never was. And I, I want that to be the answer. I want the, I want the magic formula. Um, now definitely pointing out other people's relationships, you know, and it's like, Oh, that, you know, he kind of treats you. It's a little bit like that other person. Like, I think, you know, I, I think, Sally on the TV show is kind of going through something similar where they start to plant seeds. Um, That can be really helpful. So I want people to think about planting seeds, not, you know, what's the one final thing that, and I'm telling you 
thousands of people I've asked this question to. And never once has it been, oh, somebody told me I was in a toxic relationship. And so then I was finished. <laughs> it is never the answer. It's never the answer. Very true. Um, now, again, how long have you been doing this for? I should ask you that. Yeah, four years. I've been doing this four, for years. four years. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that that's pretty good. What was the biggest challenge getting into it? Like, where was your biggest struggle? Ooh. So my, again, my, my theme is having my kindness used against me. Right. So um, I really wanted to help people. And, but then I teach people how to help themselves. Right. And so those boundaries within my own life of like, how much is your work to do? How much is my work to do? How do I make sure you have an excellent experience and give you the tools you need, but then not, I don't want to create a codependent relationship on me where it's like, oh, well then I'm the hero and the magic person of your life. And you just need me for everything. That's a super unhealthy dynamic. So, um, but really creating that situation where it's like, I want to teach you to save yourself and empower you to save yourself and teach you how not to need me. Uh, that was probably the biggest challenge. Right. How long did it take to solve that? Oh gosh. Off and on for that. Lee. Ah, golly. I mean, three years, maybe, you know, and not in its whole, in its hilarity, you know, I obviously got better along the way, but it, it came up in so many things. Um, you know, people being honest and saying like, no, you do need to invest in yourself. You do not need a social project. You do not need someone to give you something free to be nice to you. You need to decide you're worth something and you need to invest in it. Or even, um, one of the, telling people the truth. Like, you know, sometimes people say, well, I might need to think about something, you know, and I'm like, no, you're talking about your children are being, are suicidal because of this choices like that you are in. Like you are a mess. Your children are a mess. You told me your child was suicidal. And then you need to think about if you need another action plan or not. No, no, no. Like, and, but it feels mean. Right. You know, when I started this work, it felt mean to point out the truth in people's lives. Um, so I had to do a lot of getting over my own people pleasing to say, when, 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 when are you going to make a decision after your child's made another suicide attempt? Right. What are you waiting for? And they weren't waiting for anything. They were just in a practice of indecision, which is very common after toxic relationships. But but we need someone to cut through the noise. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong. Like indecision to mm -hmm. me is the same as is uh, a decision. You're choosing not to make a decision. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, my next book, John, is on decision making and problem solving skills. Um, and that's really what has been so fun and the magic of this work, because it really is teaching people to save themselves. And so people come to me and they're very traumatized, right? They're in complete indecision, but they don't really, they don't recognize it as a decision, which I completely agree that it is. And then I really want to teach them decision-making skills and problem-solving skills so they don't end up in another toxic situation and they do hold themselves to that integrity. Right, which brings up my next point, right? Sometimes, like, for example, let, let's take alcohol and uh, drugs. 
sometimes people get out and then they relapse and yeah. it's like they didn't learn their own lesson or something, or sometimes they can't resist it or whatever the excuse is. Mm -hmm. um, have you had times where you thought you got through to somebody, you help, you thought you helped them and everything looked good on the surface, then all of a sudden, boom, next relationship, they're back where they started. It's almost like they replaced one, one toxic habit with another. So gosh, yes. And, and that's such a high. Now, what's really interesting is a woman, you know, she'll say, okay, I want to work with you. And then two months later, she has a new boyfriend and she's like, oh, I don't need to work with you anymore because, you know, I have this guy, you know, and I'm in a happy relationship. I was like, you hired me to make sure you don't end up in another toxic relationship. And I have not heard a word about this guy. I've not heard a word about him. You want to talk about a red flag? If you have a relationship specialist that you are working with and you don't tell them you are in a relationship and then you say, oh, I don't need to work with you anymore because I'm in a relationship. You talk about how big do you, how big is that red flag? <laughs> I mean, it is a, it is quite the red flag. Um, so yeah, uh, for sure. And, and, and more so with people that I don't work with, you know, but people who don't make that decision and, you know, then it's like, well, I know we talked eight months ago or we talked two years ago and you told me I needed to do this, but I didn't. And so here I was in another relationship. So now, you know, I want to work with you now because you were right, you know, more so in that, in that capacity, but uh, it's just heartbreaking. And, and John, if I could have a magic wand, I would make people as afraid of what happens if they don't do something rather than all their fears. Like, well, if I do this, fear, 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 fear. But if I don't do this, safety, safety, safety. But that's just a lie. That's just a lie in so many capacities. Yes, I agree with you. Now, that, here's where another point where I'm going, right? Like in every business, mm -hmm. especially coaching, mm -hmm. there's going to be people that just, they're uncoachable. And mm -hmm. it's like, you just know in your gut feeling that it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to get through to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've come across that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, where my question is, I got like a two part question. One is, can you describe a certain moment that happened to you and you realized that, that, that you were spinning circles and you weren't going to be able to help them? Mm -hmm. How did you handle it? And the second question is that, see, like for myself, sometimes when certain things like that happen, I almost, uh, in a way, empathize that way where I, I, you know, I don't take it as, an, you know, it's on me. I don't mean that, but I take it as a sort of like you feel bad for the person. So it's sort of like it brings me down too, and yeah. to some degrees. Yeah, great question. I have a deep, 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 deep belief that I am not God. <laughs> I have a deep belief that I am not God, or you could say the universe or the all the great and all powerful, depending on your background. And that's the, that's one of the basis and premises of being toxic person proof is the idea that if I'm good enough, I can change someone else. So in some ways did in my early in my career, did I you know, fall back into that? Of course, of course. But that was the real pattern of my relationships in the past too. It's like, oh, I just need to be better and then they'll be better. I need to be better and they'll be better. So that's a lesson I learned really strategically 
because life kept throwing it at me before going into coaching. Um, and, and my life advice to anyone and everyone is if they do, if your gut says they're not going to change or be coachable on the phone, you know, if you do a, a pre-call, do not work with that person. Do not work with that person. Do not work with that person. Um, the pain, I, I, I deeply believe the pain uh, that uncoachable people or people who don't want to change or toxic people bring into your life um, is not worth the money. Uh, it is not worth the money. Uh, so that is my, that is my belief. Uh, the, the story early on is I had a woman and she, I didn't have as many boundaries as I did, or, you know, in my early in my business, it was, I, I didn't have as many boundaries. And, and there's some kind of like a, a higher package that, that I have and that people, I really do want to talk to people when they have a problem to solve. Right. So if there's a crisis, if something happens, I don't want people to have to wait three weeks to get a hold of me or get on my calendar. Like that's something I just don't want to do. That's not who I want to be. I really care about the people I work with. I want to get them to me as quickly as possible. Um, and 99.9% of the people I worked with have never had, an, you know, that's never been a problem. They say, hey, something's going on. Can we chat? I say, yes, let's go. This person, she talked to me for the third time during the week of my family vacation. Three times a week of my family vacation. They had, there was somebody that was like a tree broke in the, she, she talked about this person at work about the tree. I mean, it was something it had literally nothing to do with why she signed up to work with me or, you know, this wasn't like her kid was in crisis and we talked three times on family vacation. This was the person who worked beside her cut a tree down or something that was, it was very inappropriate. Um, and I kind of said, you know, I don't think we're really a fit to work with each other or something. Or then I think she tried to not pay me like her second month. And she then basically told me, she goes, well, I was trying to get as much as I could out of you the first month. So I didn't have to pay you month two. Um, and it, it's just hurtful. Like when you put your heart and soul into a business, into creating something that you want to use to change people's lives. And then they're like, well, we're trying to like work you for it or, or milk you. It's just incredibly painful. Um, and then she basically said, well, I was a bad person for not allowing her to manipulate me. And I was like, just, I mean, well, things have been tight. So, you know, you shouldn't, you should do extra free work for me month one so that I don't have to pay you month two. And it was just a, a really yucky situation and, and feeling like um, I got used. So, uh, but it, it's, it's happened so rarely in, in my business. I, I think that might be the only story I have um, on that. And I'm so grateful for the women I work with and I'm grateful for myself to have done the work that I know to do and teach people to do on filtering people in and out. So that doesn't happen often. That makes total sense. Now, you know, it's unfortunate and, and going to what you were saying about, you know, how somebody said that, you know, you're the bad person basically because you could, didn't let her manipulate you. Now, <laughs> like as ridiculous as that sound, I think sometimes, and I'm just analyzing from an emotional perspective, mm -hmm. I think sometimes if maybe a person's been abused so much, they can't tell the difference between being abused and being the abuser. Oh, yeah. 
hundred percent, hundred percent agreement, John, hundred percent agreement. So, and, and, and with that being said, obviously it's not everyone's going to be a win. I'm sure you're going to have some, I mean, a lot. Yeah. Not everybody's going to be a win. You have some losses, but you're going to have some wins where I'm going with this is what would you say was your uh, biggest win so far? I've had so many women um, say that I gave them like back their relationship with their children. So, you know, they were just in turmoil. They, their kids were in turmoil. Um, so I love when kids say, gosh, mom, you seem so much more confident. You seem so much more put together. You seem so healthy and whole. Um <sighs> Gosh, that uh, that's, you know, I, I say like I give mothers, I give children, you know, there's people who are in like adoption um, agencies and stuff that give like children to mothers and I give mothers to children. And uh, I just if, every time someone says that or gives me that feedback, I, I'm just thrilled beyond belief. Uh, but they also like coined me the success fairy. And I absolutely love helping women get more money. And, and man, I've had men clients too, uh, for sure. They have done great. And I love helping people have conversations around asking for what they deserve, um, standing up for themselves at work, you know, and nobody makes their best money feeling crappy about themselves or in turmoil about a relationship or something. So when you get that confidence, when you get that self-esteem, when you get clarity of thought, you're going to make more money. And that's really fun for me as well. That makes total sense. Now, every business and every moment we have when we're trying to build and grow, we have moments where we're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I oh, yeah. uh, Maybe I overthought it. Um, what are what other options do I have? Now, mm -hmm. the entrepreneur usually pushes past that. Um, yes. What was your moment there? <laughs> As if there was only one. Yeah, gosh. So, um I had a lot of money mindset issues that I had to work through. I grew up uh, in a religion. My dad worked for the church. My mother was a nurse. Um, and then my very early in my career was in the education industry. So you talk about like none of those people. It's like you're not asking for money. You're not asking for raises. You're not, you know, it's about, well, you should just do uh, work for free and because you're a good person. And so you get into heaven and all these things versus no, this is a, this is exchange of energy. I'm going to absolutely rock your world. And then you're going to pay me appropriately. Like that's, you know, now it seems very basic, but, but at the time it just, well, I feel bad. You know, I'm, am I, am I a good person if I'm not just doing this for free? Um, and there was a lot of mindset issues around that, that I had to work through. Uh, and I get excited to pay people for now. I just hired a new PR person. It was $11,000 and it was like, yeah, great. Okay. Where do I sign? Here we go. Let's, let's do this. I'm excited. I'm excited to invest um, that kind of money. And, and so I take her seriously and she takes me seriously and, and we do this thing very seriously. And I'm quite confident in the results I'm going to get. Um, and when people show up into coaching that way, it is, uh, yes, yeah, stages of changes key though. Um, the, uh, 
assessing their strategies. I would like to think if you want to work with them. Yeah. So uh, really knowing your niche. I think what you're talking about there is knowing your niche. In my situation, I'm not a should I stay or should I go person. I'm not. Do you think this person is toxic? That is not the work that I do. I am. Okay, you went through a terrible situation. Are you ready to up level every area of your life now from that? Um, And that's a key part of the the uh, business structure. Like, who are you talking to? (laughs) Right. Like uh, which which area of growth, which stage of change? We know very specifically what is your niche Um, and are you speaking to that? that person and, and does that thing exist? You know, I, I kind of, oh gosh, I just, I felt so icky about the money conversations and, and um, asking people for money and it did help, you know, getting the results. And when you start to think about, um, wow, I'm getting you, there was a, a, a girl who I think she got a $50,000 bonus uh, from her career during COVID, um, which is, you know, and not a great economic time for most people. And, you know, when, when she's getting 50,000, I think she worked with me and she paid me 4,000. So she pays me $4,000. I work with her in a way that uh, she shows up in an incredible way at work. She shows up as her best self. She doesn't let her personal life wreck her professional life. And she gets a $50,000 bonus. Well, I, I need to stop feeling bad asking for 4,000. If, She's getting $50,000 out of this investment, you know, and she very much says it was because of her work with me. Um, And so it does help as you progress along and you start to think, oh, what's the return of investment on this? And now really getting excited, like, oh, what's going to be your return of investment on on this decision to work with me uh, has definitely helped ease that uh, that that uh, those growing pains uh, as I started this business. For sure. Absolutely. Like now we have had as entrepreneurs, we have moments where we go, aha, I'm in my zone. I made it. Mm -hmm. This is it. I can't dream of doing anything else. Mm -hmm. Wish it was easier, but I love it. And I am ready to go. I've made it. It's time to move forward. Everybody has that moment as well. What was your aha moment? Well, I had one of those aha moments this morning, John. Um, And when I was meeting with that PR lady, she said, you know, if you could do anything in the world or, you know, if you money wasn't an option, you could do anything in the world. What would you do? And I was like, I wouldn't change one thing about my life. Like literally I would do everything that I'm currently doing. So I will say I had uh, I had one of those aha moments this morning um, and just knowing I'm in the zone. But uh earlier on, gosh, I was a thousand little moments and just talking to myself. But here's the advice I want, I want to give other entrepreneurs. I would get off the coaching call and I would turn to my husband. I would say, I always know exactly what to say. And if I don't, I say, let me give me some time to think about this. Um, Cause that's honesty too and integrity and your, your clients will, will thank you for it. Um, but when I'm in the zone, it's like, gosh, I just, I knew exactly what to say. I knew exactly what they needed. I knew exactly what was, what, what would help them. I knew exactly what they needed to hear. And I would kind of say that out loud um, either to my husband or to myself or, or just whatever uh, the situation called. And that, 
it was right. You know, they, they would do the things that I had suggested and get the results that I had promised. And so it, it became this cycle of like, okay, intuitively and educationally, this is what I wanted to say. And then they did it. And then this is what happened. And when you had that, that snowball and those, those building blocks, um, just building that confidence in like, okay, I'm, I'm taking people in the right direction because as a coach, the the biggest nightmare, it would be telling someone the wrong advice or telling them something that, that blew them up. Not that we can be perfect. Um, but I think about myself as a surgeon, you know, I have a Q and a at eight o'clock tonight. I'll take an out today because my best self is not eight o'clock at night. I have some, some coaching strategy sessions and stuff that need to happen late in the evening. Um, but my self-awareness of the questions they are asking me are, are life-changing to them. I don't want to be tired. I don't want to show up halfway. I don't want to show up and think, oh, I just need to get through this and say something so that, you know, I can get back to watching TV with my husband. Uh, I, I want to think about myself as a surgeon, as uh, you know, and um, the the advice and the, and the pieces I'm putting in place for them uh, to be life changing and I hopefully life saving um, for them. So I, I take it very very seriously. Oh, makes sense. Um, yeah, these are comments we're getting. Yeah. And that's so, you know, this person said, if I don't know, I'll just say, I don't know. And I'll find help, find the answer. And it is, I highly advise not BSing your way through things, obviously, uh, but just people respect it. There was uh, sometimes I'll just go, huh, you know what? Or I'll say, I just need to let that sit a bit. Can, can I, can I let that sit a bit um, before because usually something springs up intuitively, but if nothing has sprung up, I, I want to give it a second or not just say something to say something. And people seem to really appreciate that. They, they, it makes them, you know, trust when you do give an answer very quickly that it was uh, what, what needed to be said, not just uh, filling space in the air. True. Jason, thanks for that comment. So, um, yeah. Okay. So now you got into writing books, obviously. Mm-hmm. So what was the inspiration there? And did you find it challenging? Did it come naturally to you? Um, I've always been a very, very, very avid reader. So it wasn't the writing of the book and the creating of the content was very easy. It's things. I just have these conversations with people all day. I, my master's degree is actually in library information science. So it's like, I'm a research freak, right? So my whole life is like a research project of both in conversations and in other great authors and people who study this and scientists who study this. So I'm just like a information collector. So that process was really um, easy. It really was writing. It was easy. Um, What I didn't, what no one prepared me for is the editing process. And I had a bunch of people gathered together who were ideal readers. Okay. So I wanted them to um, get bounce things off the book and make sure it landed in the way I was saying things in the right way. And when you have 20 or 30 people figuring out what you did wrong every day, 
you don't think about like the, the emotional toil of that. And it was like, okay, I know I asked them to do that. It's in my best interest. They're really helpful. They're really wonderful. Um, but that, that's like emotionally jarring. It's like every time you open your email, okay, so-and-so said you did this wrong. So-and-so said you did this wrong, you know, and, and that's the piece that no one really prepared me for. Um, but I hear a lot of other people talking about that, that shows up in the review section, like people give bad reviews. And because I kind of took the hits on the front end, my reviews have been excellent because all the things that people would have said in like a bad review, I did it all at the front. Um, so I'm very grateful I did that process, but it was also hard. That, that piece was hard. Absolutely. It totally makes sense, right? Like, I mean, it's one of those things that sometimes, you know, when you do something, you're going to find something that's off and you realize that there's going to be something you didn't yeah. see. But then what yes. ends up happening is sometimes you think it's something small. And then one person says one thing, you're like, okay, I can handle the one that makes sense. And somebody else comes with another one. And you're like, okay, okay, two, that's okay. And then becomes a third one. It's like, dear God, are you guys bashing me? <laughs> it's like, is there really yes. something wrong? <laughs> feel like that and, and I, no one talked about that in the editing process no one talked about that in the book writing process they were always talking about like well of course you're gonna have some bad reviews you know and but but it you know showing up in that piece earlier it was it did feel like they were bashing you I mean I, I really had to kind of figure out some recovery from it for sure definitely now even the more you're online the more uh publicity you're getting you're mm -hmm. gonna get what we call the trolls yeah. Right. Where there's people out there that are just miserable with themselves. Uh -huh. So rather than saying nothing, they just got to say something negative. Oh, yeah. They're probably going to say something about my hair today. My hair's been a little crazy. We've been talking, John. Probably ah. should have done it up again. So if any trolls want to talk about my crazy hair as I'm shifting it around, have at it. I can take it. <laughs> well, how do you handle how do you handle it when when you get them? I just usually ignore um, the one person I. Um, talked about in a podcast group I was in the launch of my podcast and you know it's grown exponentially in the last year and a half two years whatever it's been now um but within the conversation he said oh well my podcast launch had this and this and this and this and I said well lucky for you I'm toxic person proof so I don't let bullies online bother me and it was fascinating like how the like comments that like I called him out but in a way that wasn't it was more about like this is who I am and this is rather than you stupid blah, blah, blah. you know it didn't it didn't engage it made him stop right because I was like oh well lucky for you I'm toxic person proof so I don't let you know things strangers say about me online get to me and you know people are like queen you know they were saying all this kind of stuff so um in my audience specifically, it's funny. I can say, oh, well, you know, and I will say too, John, I think people are in many ways, they, they know like because of what I teach that I'm going to come back and say things. So they, they, they're a little more nervous <laughs> about me. Um, but most of the time, you know, it's more of like emails I'll get, you know, there was one time I did a before and after picture of me uh when I was very sad and going through a divorce and just like I looked uh, terrible and kind of after a picture like oh I've you know lost weight and taking care of myself and that kind of thing and they said well we basically we wish you were uglier because it would make us feel better about ourselves wow. and I th those things I just ignore I just um I went well okay I I don't 
I spent a lot of years of my life playing small so other people would feel better. Um, and I don't do that anymore. So, okay. Yeah. Like my first troll at, uh, I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, uh, not even somebody who followed me or even knew it was weird. They don't follow me. Never followed me. It was none of this, right? Like, so I'm sitting there going, I, it was on Instagram too. I open it up. I look. And, I, and it's like, hey, I get, had, get off my uh, feed. And I'm thinking, I don't follow you. You don't follow me. How am I on your feed? So I'm like, how is this happening? This makes no sense whatsoever. So what do I do? I look and I'm like trying to figure this out. And then I realized something. He didn't come from my post. He saw my ads. And I guess whatever he's engaging in, my ads keep popping up on, on his feed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I thought, okay. Because at first, when I read it the first time, and this is before I even know what a troll was, right? So I'm looking, I'm going, why would somebody comment there? Uh -huh. Right? I mean, I'm like, this makes no sense. I mean, you have no nothing better to do. Uh -huh. And then once I figured it out, and I thought, whoa, okay, I figured it out. I go, so I replied, I literally, I said, hey, buddy, thank you very, very much because you had just showed me that my advertising is working. Yeah. Had you not replied, I would, would not have been sure if anyone was seeing it. I go, I want to reward you with a $25 gift card from Starbucks. If you send me your address by DM or whatever, I'll send it out to you. Uh-huh. Guess what? Forget my reply. His comment disappeared with the reply. Yeah. Just gone. Yeah. I guess. Uh, and you know what? I did not let it bother me. At first, when I first saw it, it was like a shock. Like, uh, right? Yeah. Like, I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. But then after I got over the shock, I replied like that. Gone. Mm -hmm. It was done. Over with. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, do you want to feed, you know, you just want to feed that energy, you know, of trolls because yeah, it could be just terrible things all the time. You know, uh, I, in my ads now there's some trolls. Yeah. People who, do, people who follow me are really nice, you know, they're nice to me and like what I do, but yeah, the, the, uh, or they'll say something like, well, you know, this would never work for me because this is, you know, this has happened and this has happened and this has happened. I'm like, Okay, so you're putting your sob story like on a random Facebook ad, like uncoachable. We'll go yeah, with that. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so, even going in back into the book, yeah. like what's what's it briefly about? How did you come up with it? Like, is it just part of your experiences, or is it like, 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 yeah? So, how did you come up with the book? I mean, what made what like we knew your inspiration, but like, what's it really about? So, there's a lot of books about toxic people and toxic personalities and a lot of incredible books about toxic people and toxic personalities but there and then there's books on like codependency or you know you're broken and you know then you're in a toxic relationship or women who love too much or women who love psychopaths or um energy vampires you know but there, there's not really there wasn't really a book about the other people and, and what I call smart girl syndrome, where it's like, oh, I never met a problem I couldn't solve. So I can solve the problems of these relationships too. And I, I really wanted people who are kind and having their kindness used against them to kind of have some framework on um, not feeling stupid, not feeling broken, you know, the Bill Cosby thing. And, and some of those things, it's like, we've, we've all, if we're honest, we've all been tricked by toxic people. Some people try to pretend they haven't and they, they, 
they want to lie to themselves and say it could never happen to them. Um, but if we're honest, we've all been there. So, so how do we move forward and see those signs uh, so that we don't end up in that place again? Absolutely. So that's the other thing. Now, now you have a second book coming out. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. What's that getting into? And, and how, what was the uh, motivation and go for the second book? Yeah. So after you talked about things being controlling or confusing, um, you know, and toxic people are very confusing, right? Which is why we've kind of become a culture obsessed with studying narcissism because it's, it's the easiest way to uh, describe toxic and controlling behavior. It's kind of, you know, the general way we're finding it in Google searches and that, is, that sort of thing. So, but when you think about um, being in a controlling relationship or being in a very confusing workplace, whatever, uh, our heads feel like spaghetti after that. You know, we're just like, which way's up? Which way's down? What the heck happened? Is it going to happen again? Why did it happen to me? And uh, we really lose track of our ability to make great decisions and problem solve. Um, so that's where I trying to create this framework for decision making and problem solving. And as I started kind of my own personal growth work, I was like, where is this book? You know, there's so many things on motivating yourself or how to communicate or how to this, but we make thousands of decisions a day. And when I think about like, what are the, where are the great books on how to make a great decision or how to solve a great, you know, how to solve a difficult problem. It's a real gap in that area. And it's something I had to become a specialist in because of the clientele that I worked with. Um, and then we talked about the, the early stages of cancer. So this is also something I want to like equip people who are good decision makers to help their kids become better decision makers, help their employees become better problem solvers and, and creating a culture of language around that. So it's just like, okay, this is how we talk. For example, what problem are you trying to solve? Is this your problem or someone else's problem? Um, okay, so uh, what's a creative solution around this problem? So obviously it's more specific in the book, but uh, even the very simple question of what problem are you trying to solve? Most people are really good about complaining about problems, whining about why they have this problem, thinking about what other people should do to solve this problem, talking about how unfair the problem is. But when, okay, what problem are you trying to solve? Well, I don't know. Okay, so I see why we're having a problem here, right? So uh, even creating uh, work cultures and work communities, um, developing language around being solution-oriented thinkers versus complainers, whiners. Oh, why is this happening to me? Uh, and really empowering people to move forward. That's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, man. Like It seems like a lot of the things you do are very uh, thoughtful, like forward thinking. That's what I mean by it. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. And it's... Um, I, I really, it's really about the language for me, really simplifying the language around some of it, because even if some other people are saying it, even like toxic relationships, it's so confusing, but you'll probably remember the cancer statement, like, okay, yeah, domestic violence is in like a stage four and I need to watch out for precancerous cells. Um, people kind of remember that. And so if I can deliver things in a way that really cut through and 
stick, that's really powerful. And if you're trying to train your child, train an employee, train a company, train whoever on like problem solving and decision making language that just like sticks. It is like, oh, okay, I can do this now, right? I can do this now. Makes sense. So every entrepreneur has crazy schedules to a point. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to uh, basically control that schedule. And so we can sort of get things done because we can always let things interrupt us. Uh-huh. And you're going to always end up doing half of everything instead of fully yeah. everything. What does your schedule look like? Um, I try to balance the week and balance every two weeks versus balancing balancing the day. Um, I have very active kids. Um, I really, I'm in a relationship space. I, I want to invest in my relationship with my husband and my relationship with my kids and um, have a really healthy relationship with work, but then healthy human relationships too. It's a, it's important, obviously, personally and professionally for me as well. Um, and so I really, if I was trying to balance the day, my Mondays and Tuesdays are very family centric, kid centric. My Wednesdays and Thursdays tend, like I said, I was uh, on a Q and I'm going to be on a Q and A at eight tonight. So those are longer days. They're definitely more work centric. Um, but so overall, there's a there's a balance in what I do, but it's not balanced by the day. And uh, I think that's where people get off like, oh, I d- ignored my kids the whole day or oh, I didn't finish that for work today or oh, I didn't get back to that person today. But when you think about, OK, over the week, did I focus on my health? Did I focus on my wealth? Did I focus on my family? Did I focus on being a better person or spiritual practice? Um, it's a lot easier to balance a week than a day. Absolutely. Definitely get that point. Now mm-hmm. I was uh, pleasantly surprised when you said Monday, Tuesday yeah. as a uh, family day, because usually uh-huh. you typically think, um, you know, Monday to Friday's work and then Saturday, Sunday, you try to take off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. So you're, you're obviously purposefully taking off different days. Well, my kids activities are, so I work kind of half days those days. So Monday and Tuesday, I kind of work half days. Uh, but then within my I work with a lot of professionals and I need to have kind of after hour type things available. Um, you know, sales calls on Saturdays or Q and A's at 8 PM. Um, so the, the Monday through Friday thing really didn't, it just wasn't going to work for me, but there's also like a lot of setting my kids on a good path for the week and making sure the homework is finished. They usually give homework out for the whole week. So it's like, if I make sure all the homework's finished on Mondays and Tuesdays, it honestly relieved a lot of mom guilt for me. Right. So it's like, I know that I know that I know I showed up well for my family at the start of the week. And for my kids, we kind of have our, our main big dinner on Tuesday nights. We kind of have these Tuesday night feasts and have a family night. So um, that powers me to work strategically the rest of the week. If I feel like uh, I waited until my I kind of left the, the kids out on the back, like I, I mean, I could do a lot of parenting advice, you know? So if my parenting advice is you should spend time with your kids and I'm going to ignore mine, there's <laughs> there's some real inconsistencies there. So, you know, just knowing I've set my kids up uh, well at the beginning of the week um, really helps alleviate the guilt of them working at, later on. And it's like, oh, no, great. You've already done your homework. You've already done this. I've already taken you to your sports practices and this. Okay, I feel good about this. 
Makes sense. Now, I mean, I want to be conscious of your time as well. Sure. Um, so I'm going to have one final question that I ask everybody at the end. Then we'll get into a little bit of a lightning round, uh, which will be a little bit of fun. Okay, let's do it. So my last question is, what advice would you give to someone who's currently in a uh, business or job or something? They are just unhappy, miserable. They're unhappy with their job. They're unhappy in the relationship. They're just generally unhappy, want to change, but don't know where to start. Mm. So um, the first step I'm going to say is labeling the problems you're trying to solve, right? Um, is it emotional problem to solve or practical problem to solve? Okay. And I want you to solve them. Think about solving them simultaneously as if they are two train tracks. Okay. Rather than like emotional roadblock or like I, I talk about dropping like an emotional elephant on your path. So if you have a train and your train is your practical problems to solve, and then you drop an elephant on the train track, okay, you're you're going to hopefully love animals and stop that train, right? So you're going to stop the train, okay? Um, and if it's really hard to, if somebody's miserable in their business and in their relationships and in this and in that, like it feels what I call like a spaghetti problem. Like it's so interwoven and so interconnected. Where do you start? And you can really start by, okay, so is this an emotional problem to solve or a practical problem to solve? For example, um, I am yelling at my wife every day or yelling at my husband every day because my boss yelled at me. So uh, how I manage myself so I show up and my best self for my kids or at home is an emotional problem to solve. Hey, I've got a boss who's been yelling at me every day for the last 10 years, maybe a practical problem to solve, right? That's like, Okay, my boss has shown who he or she is. They yell at me every day. So that's a practical problem. Um, and we don't want to, we just want to separate those. We just want to separate those. Otherwise, you either end up with an emotional elephant on the track. You ran into the elephant. You've blown up your life. There's emotions everywhere. It's terrible. Or, you know, it's just a mess. So really thinking, how do I solve those problems as if they're two simultaneous tracks? rather than dropping my emotions in front of every problem and either stopping and blocking myself and never actually solving the practical problems because there are emotions involved or running into the emotional elephant and blowing it up and there being emotions everywhere. Great answer. Thank you. That's what the next book's about. Yeah. <laughs> Easy answer. Um, so getting into the fun lightning round. Yeah. So we're going to start off with Favorite book? Ooh, The Wizard of Oz. Favorite movie? The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite uh, food? Uh, definitely not The Wizard of Oz. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with pizza. Pizza. Ooh, that's always a good one. Oh, yeah. Simplistic and... Guacamole. Uh, tough choice. Like, how do I choose? Yeah. Well, pizza has a variety of options. You can have the same thing and different toppings every day. And it's like different every day, but being the same. That's true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So um, favorite vacation spot? Uh, St. Pete, Florida. Ooh, how come? 
Oh gosh. I, it's like magic there. Like my manifestation, we just came back from there last weekend, but it's my third time there this year. And I joke that it's like, Oh, I'm like, it's like magic here. I went to the park and I was like, here come the dolphins. And my husband's like, what? There's not good dolphins. I was like, yeah, there is right there. And it's just so much, uh, so much magic there for me. I just love it. That's awesome. I, I, I can relate to what you're saying there mm. now. Before we go, I mean, I want to say thank you for being on the podcast, Uh but where can people find you online? Yes. A very easiest way to find me is Toxic Person Proof. You're going to see my podcast. You're going to see my book. Uh, It is available in audio and it's funny. My book's funny. Um, I'm talking about some heavy hitting subjects, but I wanted to bring a light perspective as well as insight. Um, and then you can go to sarahkramsey.com as well, um, or join my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship. Fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me.